In this series, we looked at week one at the importance of investing time in God's plans. And we looked at James chapter 4. Last week, we looked at investing time, staying on God's path through God's word from Psalm 1. And this morning, we're going to look at the importance of investing in God's provision for our lives. Let me uh, begin by uh, telling you about uh, world-famous tightrope walker, probably the most famous of all, Charles Blondin. Back in 1859, he decided he wanted to be the first person to walk on a tightrope across Niagara Falls. No harness, no net. He uh, charged the people 25 cents to come and see him. I'm sure uh, people paid the 25 cents, some to see if he could, and others to see if he couldn't. Anyway, he went over and back and over and back, and the crowd cheered unanimously. And then he said, how many of you think I could do it pushing a wheelbarrow? Well, they all applauded. How many of you think I could do it putting a man in the wheelbarrow? They yelled and clapped, and there was all other enthusiastic man in the front. He said, you, get in the wheelbarrow. Well, needless to say, the man made a quick exit through the crowd. You see, it's uh, one thing to say we have faith, and it's another thing to actually act on that faith that we say we have, isn't it? But you know, your faith affects the way that you live out your life. So this morning, I think God is going to ask you to trust Him with your life to put your life in his hands, to provide what you need to see you safely across to the other side of 2023. You see, in James chapter 2, verse 17, it says, Faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by actions, is dead. So you can sit there all you like and sit on your blessed assurance and say, Oh, I've got faith. But if God doesn't see you act upon that, then it's not really faith at all. But Jesus promises, doesn't he? In Matthew 9, 29, according to your faith, it will be done. So today's message, I've entitled it, Investing Little, Returning Lots. We're going to look at 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through to 7. It was written uh, by Jeremiah back in 550 BC. And the story we're looking at this morning is that of a widow, a widow of a prophet who has a, a little oil, but she doesn't have enough to provide for what she needs. And so she trusts in God to give what little she has to him in order to reap a return on her investment. I'm going to read the passage to you. I'm going to make some comments along the way and then we'll get into our three points this morning. It begins... Now the wife of a member of the company of prophets, in the company of prophets there are 50 prophets in a company, she cried to Elijah, your servant, my husband is dead and you know that your servant feared the Lord, but, but a creditor has come to take my two boys as his slaves. 
the Old Testament prophet would have been the equivalent today to a, a New Testament pastor. Yeah? And uh, I want to say to you, none of us are immune to the problems and situations and crises that come upon our lives. I'm just the same as you. And sometimes we think to ourselves, here in verse 1 in the text, this, this woman who is crying out, she's like, how could this happen to me? I'm a godly man, a godly woman. Where is God in all of this circumstance that I find my life in today? Have you ever been in that sort of crisis? Never sort of question God's love for you? How could this happen to me, she's saying. Elijah said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? She answered, your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. So she had more than she thought. You see, the presence of oil means that God is in the house. Oil is always symbolic of the presence of the Holy Spirit in us, of which we know we are to be filled with that oil. Reading on, he said, Go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbours, empty vessels and not just a few. You see, the idea of borrowing is actually indicating here that the problem is only going to be temporary. Yet how often, church, do we think that our problems are permanent and nothing is possible for God? God can't get me out of this, surely. And we tend to live very faithless lives. Then go in and shut the door behind you and your children. In other words, shut out the world. Get alone with God and watch the miracle happen. Don't listen to the doubters. It's a test of your trust. And start pouring into all these vessels, which each, uh, sorry, when each is full, set it aside. So she verbalizes her need, doesn't she? She, she verbalizes it and says, she's crying out to God. And then she takes God at his word. She invests the little that she has. See, it's not that she doesn't have anything. She just doesn't have enough. And then she acts in faith, and God gives her not a hand out, but a hand up. Folks, we always want a healthy return on our investments in life, don't we? But you know, there's two different types of investments you make. One is secured, and the other is unsecured. But we often uh, fail to understand or accept which is which when it actually comes to the kingdom of God. For some, I think trusting in God is an unsecured investment. This is, this is illogical, what God's asking me to do here. And so we fear and we fret and we try to figure out, and we try to formulate our own solution free of any faith, never expecting the unexpected. How much this week did you expect the unexpected from God in your life? So this miracle, it teaches us not to measure our problems by what we can provide. You see, whenever you need faith for something, the very first thing that seems to always happen is that your provision goes down. God minimizes the provision, what you've got, and he always maximizes the problem. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever said these words? <gasps> Things have gone from bad to worse. 
Why is that? Why does that happen? Why is it that I don't have enough? Uh, why can't God just fill my bank account and keep me healthy and, and give me a nice place to live and a secure job and all of these? Why can't God just do that? Then I'd be able to serve him. Then I'd be able to live by faith. You see, we love the creature comforts, don't we? But God is not interested in your comfort. He is interested in building your character. And it's the character that you're going to take with you into eternal life. Folks, if you had it all, the reality is none of us would ever run to God because we don't need anything from God. We would live our lives in the world until we get to the end of our lives and then realize there's one thing I forgot. You see, we see that all the time, don't we, with people. People are not interested in God. But it's only as you invest in God through faith that you actually discover that you're actually making a secure investment in the kingdom of God. Reading on. So she left him and shut the door behind her and her children. They kept bringing vessels to her and she kept pouring. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. But he said to her, There is no more. Folks, God's ability to provide is only limited to what we are prepared to bring him in our lives. You see, when you you bring your life to him and he fills you, that's when the, the blessings flow. But when you empty your life of faith and you fill it with other things, that's when the blessing stops. So imagine the headlines. Company widow discovers oil. Olive oil was a precious commodity back in the 550 BCs. It was as precious as the black oil that comes out of the ground today. Yeah, this was uh, this was the uh, uh, the Bitcoin investment of the of the 550 BCs right here. So she invested what little she had and she tapped in to this resource and her investment uh, uh, actually was providing for the rest of her life. So in a crisis, you don't just sit there. You cry out to God. But in faith, you actually act systematically towards the solution because faith is active. Then, it says, then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God. And he said, go, sell the oil and pay your debts. And you and your children can live on the rest. So first, to invest the little you have for a large return in your life this new year, we're going to learn from our crisis. You need to learn from your crisis because each and every one of us at some point will enter into a crisis situation in our lives. This woman, her family, they were in crisis. Suddenly her husband dies. She didn't go down to Centrelink and sign up for social security. This woman was in dire straits. The creditors were coming to take the kids. And it's actually this crisis that actually becomes this wonderful opportunity to make this tremendous investment in her faith that's actually going to change her life forever. See, sometimes we want to cry out in a crisis and have God lift us up and bring us over here. But it's actually the journey through that strengthens our faith. I'm sure some of you in this room have 
gone through a crisis. Probably be hard to find someone that hasn't. Maybe some of you right now are right in the middle of that crisis. You sit there this morning and you, you know the pain. You're like that woman. You, you're coming to God this morning feeling a little, a little empty. Maybe nobody around you knows what you're going through. But God knows. And you might be as desperate as this woman this morning in your crisis for that situation to change. You know, it's one of those things about desperation, isn't it? Desperate people, have you ever noticed? There's no dignity in desperate people. They will throw themselves wherever they need to be. They will do whatever they need to do in order to transform that situation. But you know, when you bring that desperation to God, that's the breeding ground for the miracle that you are looking for. So what do you need to give to God this morning in order to be filled with more faith, to trust him, to provide? Are you willing to take a risk? Are you willing to invest what you've got, what little you have, in order for God to provide a return for you? You see here, God promises that he will always hear the hurting. In Psalm 34 verse 17 it says, When the righteous cry for help, there's that word again, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. So what need do you have? Have you cried out to him in the midst of your crisis? Remembering that you have more than you think when you choose to invest it in the kingdom of God. So God promises whatever you invest in, yeah, you'll get a return. He promises to provide. If you'll invest in your marriage, he'll fill it. If you invest your finances in God, he'll, he'll provide and fill them. If you invest in your health, he'll fill it. The, the, the list is endless, isn't it? Yeah. Whatever you want God to fill, you just simply need to cry out to him, put him at the center of your crisis situation. So in crisis, she comes to the head of the prophets. What can I do for you? It's a pretty simple question, isn't it? You know, I can't do anything for you. But if you'll come to God, I'm directing you to God this morning. Come to him. He can, he can provide what you need. God's asking you the same question today. How can I help? Remembering that by your faith, according to your faith, it will be done. So she comes to Elijah. He asks her another question. Tell me what you have in the house. Quick response, I don't have anything. Oh, then she goes, oh, but wait a minute. I've got this a little, little jar of Crisco in the pantry. Just this little jar of oil. That's all I've got. Church, we need to learn to invest what little we have. So often we, we think to ourselves, well, you know, I've got to have bigger and better. And I've, I, th th then I can come to God. Then I can give that to God. No, no, no. You cannot bring to God what you don't have. You can only bring to him what you do have. So often we think we've got to have more. Your little will be more than enough for the God of the impossible. Amen. Now to us it seems a little bit bizarre, this whole idea of uh, a little bit of olive oil. Hey? But we, we, we don't understand how precious that oil was right then. We don't understand how little we have can be used by God. 
Because so often, I think, I think this is true. In the Western world, faith in the Christian church is very, very, very low. Because probably all of us in this room can provide for ourselves. None of us are hanging on for dear life. And if you are, and if you are hurting, come and see me. The church is the place where we invest in order to get a return. If you're hurting in any way, if you're in trouble, if you need something, if the pain's too much for you to bear and you're not too sure how you're going to get through this crisis, this is where you come. This is what it's about. This is what God brought you here today for. I mean, honestly, I think it's human nature, isn't it? That we want to move more towards uh, uh, safety and security than uh, risk and return. You see, I think it's easy in our lives to... You're young, you're fit, you're healthy, got the whole world in front of you. You're old, you're retired, you've got plenty of money in the bank. What do we need God for? You know, the reality is that we don't come to God until we absolutely need him. And maybe God's testing your faith through life's demands this morning. Maybe you've got some problems and some people issues and you're in a bit of a crisis yourself. The circumstances and situations are stressing you out. So when it doesn't look like you've got enough, say, Lord, help me to see what I do have. And then pray, Lord, open my eyes so that I might be able to name that and claim that. And then pray, God, help me to trust in you to provide. But we've got to be willing to give what we have, don't we, for God to multiply it. You see, in a crisis, we tend to hang on to what we've got, don't we? A crisis is not the time to be giving everything away, Andrew. What are you out of your mind? Well, I'm not telling you. It's God that's having a word to you this morning. Somehow we think that if we save what little we've got, if we hang on to it, we'll be okay. But it's letting go and letting God that he saves us from the situation. Often we uh, tell ourselves, you know, I can't afford to give. I think this passage tells us you can't afford not to give. It's about giving to God. Folks, it's not about what you invest in. It's about who you give it to invest for you. So when you need more, give all you've got to God. Folks, it didn't make sense for this uh, elderly widow to do this, did it? This was outrageous. And yet she received the reward. You see, part of that walking in faith is trusting that your God loves you enough to not let you go without. He will provide all of your needs according to his riches in glory. So first, learn from the crisis. Next, invest little for a large return. We've got to learn from our choices. Verses 3 to 5, she's told to go to her neighbours and uh, get all of these empty vessels. Close the door and I'll fill your faith. Folks, would you follow these instructions? How well do you know your neighbours? This, this woman was about to go back to her neighbours and, and give the wonderful testimony of the glory of God, wasn't she? But here's the lesson. You're going to build your faith portfolio. 
You've got to invest in what seems unlikely and insecure to produce a return. But again, that's hard, isn't it? It's hard because we, we, we don't like risk, yeah? We are generally in our lives risk averts. Whatever risk we're going to take, we like to minimise it, don't we? Yeah? I don't want to go walking across the tightrope of life, uh, Andrew. I don't want to do that. I want to remain comfortable in my life because we are creatures of comfort. But God's got a long history in the Word, doesn't he, of people who take risks and get rewarded. I mean, honestly, ask yourself this question. What am I doing in life right now? What am I attempting to do that I could not do without the power of God? Write that down. Take it home. Think about that. If you can come up with nothing, then that shows you you're not living a very risk-orientated life. Because every week I got to stand up here I can guarantee you if I don't do this in the power of God if God doesn't come on me and anoint me with the the word of God nothing's going to change I can't do this in and of my own strength every week we've got to rely on the power of God in our lives so what's God asking you then to invest in your time your talents your treasure folks I know that the best investment you'll ever make will be in the kingdom of God And God will always provide an eternal return. I mean, let me ask you this. How many pots would you have brought back? How many pots? What's that saying? What's the measure of your faith? Folks, living by faith means you're going to invest even when you can't predict the return. And you know, by faith, we always look back on faith, don't we? This happened to me. And by faith, I trusted God. And so the next time when you're moving your way through 2023 and you come to that, that, that crisis moment when you've got to trust God again by faith, you'll look back and go, well, he was here and he was here and he was here. Get me all the pots. I'm expecting a big investment coming my way. That's what it does for us right there. Why? Because it's a test. A test. Folks, the world teaches us that you give out of your leftovers. We've got a lot of the world in the church, don't we? Yeah? If I've got uh, my life full to the brim, if it's overflowing, then I'll, I'll give you some of my leftovers. What I don't need, I'll bring. I'll give you some extra time, some leftover resources, some leftover money. If I've got a little bit, then I'll give a little away out of my overflow. So we're taught to give out of our extra But the Word actually teaches and tests our faith that the time to give is when you think you need to hold on to this the most. In Matthew 6.33, Jesus simply says, Seek first the kingdom of God. That means keep your eye on the cross, church. Keep your eye on the cross and all these other things will be added unto you. You know, I... uh, remember a story uh, 25 years ago or more. I was in Bible college. We didn't have a lot of money, as you can imagine. People know, yeah, amen. Got you there, brother. 
and uh, someone came to us uh, with a need. They needed $600. Sharon and I had $635 in the bank. So we took out the 600 and gave it to them. And we kept our eye on the cross and all of these other things over the journey of life have been added back to us. God will never not give a return on your investment in people in the kingdom of God. So the jars were full and the oil stopped flowing. Jars, of course, are uh, the woman's faith, yeah? If uh, you haven't picked up on it, faith is the currency that you have to invest your life. If she'd have had more jars, more faith, she would have had more oil. So the amount of oil was only limited to her faith. So amazingly, God's provision matched her faith down to the very last drop. Very last drop. Challenge is to think about how many drops have you got in the vessel of your life. And that's the choice. How much God provides for you depends on how much faith you're willing to bring to him. So finally, let faith fill your container. Of course, the analogy here, isn't it? Yeah, We are the vessels that needed to be filled. God wants to fill you with faith this morning. He wants you to be overflowing with the oil of the Holy Spirit in your life today. But folks, you've got to be willing to invest yourself to be filled. So we've got to come empty in order for God to fill us, to be overflowing. You see, God's ability to provide always exceeds our ability to receive. That makes sense, doesn't it? We're finite. He's infinite. He's God. We're not. He can do the impossible. We can't. So his ability to provide far outweighs our ability to receive. But our ability to receive and how much we receive depends on what other stuff we're filled with. Can he even get in? So today, we're the vessels that God wants to fill. I love the passage from uh, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power, this Holy Spirit, this oil that is in us is from God and not from us. I love that term, clay pots, yeah? It just means ordinary, average, you're sitting there, None of you are better than anybody else. You're clay. But that's okay. Because we go back to Genesis chapter 2, don't we? And we remember that this God that we worship actually fashioned us. God's the potter out of the clay of the earth. He formed us. And God, don't make any junk. You are of value to God. You ever watched Antique Roadshow? Oh, what a show that is, I tell you. It's an oldie show, uh, girls. It's an oldie show. What they do is people find all of this trash and treasure around their house or they've got family heirlooms or they've been to flea markets or garage sales and they go to this auction and they take it to the appraiser. And we're always hoping, aren't we, you know, that what we think might be a piece of junk actually turns out to be treasure. Woman's got this ceramic clown vase. 
she's hoping in her mind that it's coming from some sort of obscure Polish sculptor, you know. It's going to be worth a fortune. Goes to the appraiser. Well, Mrs. Jones, how much did you pay for this vase? Well, I paid $18 at a flea market. Well, Mrs. Jones, good news. At auction today, it would be worth $45,000. And the camera pans to Mrs. Jones. She's got that pale look on her face, but her eyes are lit up and cha-ching, 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 the dollar signs. Folks, sometimes a $18 vase is really a $45,000 vase. What you have in you is worth a lot more than you think. God has invested in you, in your life. He doesn't make junk and he doesn't want you to fill your life with rubbish. You see, vessels, vessels aren't supposed to be just sitting on the mantelpiece. No, they're actually meant to be filled, yeah, in order to uh, produce what they were made for. The vessel is to be filled. Think about the, uh, the pots that you've got in your kitchen, yeah? When they're sitting there in the cupboard, they're of no use at all, are they? It's not until they are filled that suddenly they're doing what they were created for. And it's only as we are filled do we have value to God. So God doesn't want you to live an empty life. He wants you to be filled with his spirit and with his plans and with his purposes for you. But the question you've got to ask yourself is, is that me? What do I need to this morning empty myself of from the world in order to fill myself for God to provide his plans, his purpose, his provision for me? Let me ask you this. Would you do what this widow did? What was the last thing you did that didn't make sense at the time. But by faith, you obeyed God and did it anyway. I said to Sharon, I said, can you remember a time when you obeyed God in faith and did something that uh, he told you to do, even though it didn't make sense? She said straight away, yeah, when he told me to marry you. <laughs> See what sort of relationship we've got, can't you? Folks, every time God tells you to do something, it is a test of your faith. It's a test. Where am I going to invest my life and who am I trusting to provide for me? What am I filled with in life? Do I have a life filled with faith? As I uh, conclude this morning, you know, I was uh, struck in my studies of this passage uh, about the last verse. You and your sons can live on what's left. And it made me think not so much of the material blessings that continued to flow and overflow because of this woman's faith, but because of the way that her children's faith would have been continually fed throughout their lives. This woman was willing to risk what little she had, and God blessed her. He flowed into her life and then overflowed blessing out of her life. I was uh, imagining this week, family's all grown up. Boys have got their own family now. They're sitting around the table one night and dad notices a little bottle of oil on the table. He says, kids, 
Let me tell you about a time God honoured my mother's faith and provided for us. Folks, she made an investment two and a half thousand years ago that as we preach it today, is still reaping a reward in our lives. So are you demonstrating that investment to others? Maybe to your children, to your grandchildren, to your family. Do they see in your vessel a life filled with faith? Are you waiting on a miracle this morning? Or could it be that that miracle is waiting on you? This morning, what maybe is God challenging you to empty out of this vessel of your life in order that he can fill you with what he wants to provide for you? What is it that God wants you to do with the word today? You know, church, I can't do anything. All as I can do is point you to the one who we know that everything is him possible. My prayer for you this morning. If you came in this morning feeling a little bit empty, I pray that you feel a little bit more filled up this morning. And I pray that you've got the faith today to trust God to provide for your life to see you to the other side of 2023. Somebody say amen.